What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop, back for episode number 50 of the Crafted Podcast. Podcasts all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. And we also live stream every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to catch our live stream, check us out on YouTube. Just search for Crafted Podcast. We'll the first thing that comes up you can live chat with us there get your get your questions answered on the show and uh, it's a lot of fun Uh, you can also follow us on social media at crafted podcast we are on instagram twitter and facebook that's another great place to ask us questions or tag us in your listener projects also if you like the show go ahead and give us a rating on itunes that's super helpful a five-star rating would be very much appreciated and last we are on patreon so we added a 250 dollar goal for a weekend show that's patreon.com slash crafted podcast we've got a bunch of support levels over there weekly after show monthly hangouts and our top patrons of the week are make build modify master none and debbie brooke now without further ado let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts as always i've got james wright from wood by right what's going on james oh not too much but thank you for having me i'm very pleased <laughs> to be here today <laughs> and i've got zach Herberholz from zh fabrications what's up zach how's it going <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. That was a uh, that was a that was a good one, James. You are. It's compounded com- by the fact, and you guys won't be able to hear this, but we're we're doing uh, we're working with some new recording software. So as we're talking, it sounds like we're at like a NASCAR race because there's like yes, a, a, a very uh, annoying two hundred millisecond delay on everything. So it's, yes. Uh, sounds really everything sounds strange to us <laughs> yes it's uh it's a weird one but you know we'll, we'll have to figure that out next week we we didn't really get on early enough to iron out the echo but uh, we'll figure it out and uh anyway it's all good so i guess what have you guys been working on zach you want to kick us off uh yeah so it's it's been a crazy couple weeks and i always say that and it's always true um so if you guys follow along my instagram i spent the past two weekends working with uh, Harley at Iron Dog Knife Works down in Bradenton, which is about an hour and a half south of me. So uh, we made like a little mini cleaver that was so much fun. It was my first knife. Uh, I have a lot of footage and uh, it's going to be, I'm going to put a video out of it and it's probably going to be really long. And uh, it's going to be a totally different style of video than I normally do because there's a lot of information and I've wanted to do knives and blades for a while and, uh, or at least, you know, try my hand at them. And it's really hard to find information out there. Um, there's so many people doing it and, and there's not one right way to make a blade and it depends on the steel and there's, there's so many different ways to do it. And, and what you end up with is when you go down that, you know, when you try and absorb as much knowledge on the internet is, you know, half of it's it's hard to find somebody's strategy from beginning to end. You'll find like, Oh, here's how I do this part. And then you'll find somebody else, how they do steps two to three. And then somebody else has this, you know, so there's just this giant conglomeration of, uh, you know, information out there. And, uh, so I wanted to put all of this information into one video that shows from beginning to end every step talks, you know, about how essentially we went from, a blank to a, f- a forged blade and um half of it's for me because i'm trying to learn how to do this stuff so it's going to serve as a good reference to me when i start making my own um so that's probably going to be out in a few weeks i have to i'm finishing up that industrial shelf build um that's uh going to the same guy that i did the sliding barn doors and that red industrial desk for so i just did the the finish on that um hopefully today i will start applying the finish to the boards the shelves on that and if i'm lucky i'll get that out that video out uh either late this week or early next week uh also been talking to Bushmills about uh doing some lighting or something for them um that's kind of in the, the beginning stages so We'll see what happens, but there's there's been a lot going on. Nice. Cool, man. James, what about you? I have been working on my kitchen. Um, I'm actually taking kind of like a hiatus from um, making videos for a little while uh, while I remodel my kitchen, and that's going to end up producing a few videos out of it eventually. But uh, right now, honestly, if you if – you, 
but when I say my kitchen, I mean the entire upstairs because it's the, the kitchen, the dining room, the living room, the uh, the kids' play area, the hallway, the whole nine yards is going to be torn apart. And uh, if if you look at it right now, it looks like the pictures you're seeing coming out of houses that were flooded in Houston because uh, the you know chunks of drywall are missing. There's piles of debris and uh, tile flooring and plywood and, and carpet scraps and uh, everything is just, it's absolutely in the absolute most chaotic point at the moment. Dude, that's an insane, I, I was looking at your Instagram stories. That is quite the demo you've got going on. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the demo is done today. That's, that's my goal is, uh, I can get the is I got I had to move a couple switches because I'm removing a wall, and so I got the electrical done last night, and I'll be hanging the drywall patches to fill the few holes in the wall uh, today. So, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 uh it's it's quite the project. I mean, I've done more kitchens than I can count, um, but when it's when it's your own kitchen and you're living in it. Um, cause basically I, I, I told my kids, um, now, cause we used to have the rule that when you're in the house, you wore socks, you took your shoes off. Um, so now the rule is when you're in the house, you wear shoes, um, cause you never know what you're going to be stepping on. Yeah. Uh, but then come to find out my two youngest boys were sleeping last night in their shoes. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it's, yeah, I'm looking forward to it all being at least to the point where I, where I'm okay with walking around in the house and not thinking about, you know, stepping on a board with nails or, yeah. you know, shards of, of glass or other things. So <laughs> how do you, I mean, are you cooking? I mean, cause you don't have a sink in there or anything, right? I mean, that's uh no, we're using counters, the bathroom I mean. sink. Our, our, the, the neck in the bathroom sink is high enough so I can get something underneath it to, to fill up our cups and things. So we have cups in the bathroom and all of our, our, where we drink from the refrigerator is plugged in but the refrigerator kind of gets moved around um to whatever plug is currently working so i'm, I'm rolling it around in the kitchen and living room and on the carpet and that's a lot of fun but we don't have a microwave we don't have a stove so everything's got to be you know eaten cold or we're going out to eat so <laughs> jeez how long are you planning on this taking um i will probably be without the stove dishwasher for mm, another two weeks, I'm guessing. Holy um, crap. I'll probably get the microwave up and running in another week and a half. Um, and that'll probably be when the sink goes in, too. So it'll be, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. So h- how are you doing the cabinets? Uh, did you just buy cabinets? or? Yeah, we're, we're well, we bought um, unfinished cabinets. And so those will all go into the garage where I can then finish them all. And we got a hickory that I'm actually going to stain. Um, I know a lot of people out there are like, you're staining it. Yes, I'm going to stain the hickory um, because I, I want it to match um, a little bit more of the, the color and tone we're going for. Um, and then we um, actually just yesterday I got all of the wood flooring came in. So 450 um, square feet of white oak flooring, um, number two common. So it's a lot of knotty um, wild grain, um, a lot of sapwood, and uh, some crazy colors in it. Um, but it's going to require a lot of epoxy filling of little holes and, and and open knots and things like that. So when I when I go to put it down, I'm going to I'm going to lay it all down and I'm going to do it with just hand tools um, because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> And uh, then we're going to, I'm going to go through and once it's all down, I'm going to spend two or three days doing several um, applications of epoxy fill to fill all the holes, then use um, planes to smooth the entire floor out. And then it's a water locks finish. So uh, it'll be quite the, uh, the ordeal. So there'll be probably like five or six days in a row where you just don't get to walk on the floor. And you have to do all that before you can put cabinets in, right? No, that'll go in after cabinets because that'll go around the uh, the cabinets. Oh, okay. So you're just doing the cabinets right on the subfloor? Yeah. Okay. So I'll be doing the cabinets and the sink 
and the microwave, get that all up and running, and have a semi-functioning kitchen. So, Because right now, everything from the cabinets is stored in Rubbermaid totes in our living room, and that's getting shuffled around as we have to move things around. So I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to getting the cabinets up and running, and then get everything into the cabinets so I have more space to actually work with. Um, yeah. And then I'll be building all the trim for the for the baseboards and windows, and I'll be making that by hand, um, crown molding, and uh, yeah, that, and, and yeah. Hopefully, I'll have a, a working kitchen again sometime before Thanksgiving. Whew. Man, that is uh, that's a lot. So, is that traditional that the cabinets would not go on top of the hardwood floor? I mean, isn't it? Because how do you account for expansion? Do you just put like quarter round around the bottom of your cabinets or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just a, a little piece of trim. And it, it, it can be, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it, it, yeah, it depends. Some people like to put it underneath and put the cabinets on top of it. Some people like to run it through. If I were building it new, I'd probably would just run it through. Um, but in this case, it's easier just to um, uh, to put the cabinets down first and go to the cabinets. Yeah, yeah, because then at least you can be in there. Because man, that's uh, who I uh, that that makes me very stressed just <laughs> just <laughs> we, thinking we that this all time through. To do it because my wife is basically gone for this week and next week uh-huh. because she just gets overly stressed with the the torn apart house. Yeah, so um, she'll be back late tomorrow night so i'm hoping to have the place cleaned by then so that it's you know subfloor and the drywall's up and mudded and i'll be ready for the first coat of paint and so it'll be you know at least clean like um just won't have the the kitchen to work in man and then she's gone next week so i'll be able to hopefully get the the cabinets in next week well good luck sir because that uh (laughs) that sounds like a lot of work with hand tools yeah, and then on top of all that, I'm going to be building a lathe during this time. Um, so the because I, I do want to put out at least one video a week, and so the the videos in this time will be over the the course of building the lathe for yeah. the shop. So it's a it's a busy time in my life right now. No kidding, man. That's a, that's a, quite an undertaking with power tools. So I uh, good luck, sir. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> Good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm allowing my place to. I'm allowing myself to use a drill. Yes. For you know, like cabinet installation and that type of thing. I would very much hope so. And I'm going to be using a sawzall. I have to cut one board today, and I don't want to use one of my saws because I have to cut through some of the drywall with it as well. Mm. And so I don't want to you know rip up one of my good saws with that. So I'm mm. going to use a sawzall for that. But other than that, the entire project will be basically hand tools. And so is this? I mean, the kitchen will be content for your channel. Um, the flooring will be content. Okay. Um, I might do the cabinet installation. I haven't decided yet. Um, and then I'm also doing a solid surface Corian countertop. Um, and I'm actually making the countertop. So I'm, I'm ordering a, a, a sheet, a half inch thick, um, 30 inch by 145 inch long sheet. Um, and I'll be making the countertop out with all hand tools. So that should be a fun video. Nice, man. Well, good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <I> need it. <laughs> so I've just been chugging along on this uh, dining table and matching benches. Uh, it has been – it's a big project, a lot, lot, of, lot of work involved in this one. And uh, getting there, getting very close, I should be – well, I, I will be delivering it this weekend, so that will be good. Still not totally sure when the video is going to be out. I uh, – I was hoping to have it out uh, today, actually, but I'm just behind, uh, so that is not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it's looking, though. Got all of the parts installed on the table itself, so got the kind of stretcher that connects the, the legs to each other installed, and then also got the two aprons installed. And, you know, that table is so tall and, uh, and long that it was kind of, it had a lot of kind of uh, side-to-side play previous to installing the aprons in the stretcher and, and i'm glad it really kind of tightened things up uh so that that makes me feel a lot better um, just because you know it's it's like 44 inches tall 60 inches long and an inch and a half thick and one big kind of looks like a, a staple you know one big long kind of uh c shape so it, it definitely needed some kind of lateral uh structure to give it a little more stability there but 
it's looking cool got all the edges like a really heavy chamfer on it and uh i'm just continuously amazed by this uh the festival router i have it has that little edge kind of guide or guard i guess and basically it surrounds the entire bit when you're doing like edge you know like like edge profile stuff like chamfering and there is almost no dust it, it is absolutely amazing how effective that thing is so i am uh definitely definitely happy to have that thing for this project because it's a it's a lot of chamfering for sure so um Outside of that, I've just been working on the design for this assembly table. I don't know why. I am having so much trouble with uh, finalizing the design on this thing. I think I finally have gotten it uh, very, very close. But I'm, I'm trying to integrate a lot of things that my current one doesn't have. Ba basically, I currently have like the Polk one from FastCap. And, and the problem is it has these two big grooves routed on either side for i guess like miter gauges to run out into because it's meant to be kind of used with a contractor saw well the problem is like these just create these kind of like three inch wide half inch recessed areas on the top of this assembly table and like it's just a pain during glue ups my clamps are always like kind of getting down in there and getting caught and you know gets glue built up in there and it's just i don't need them they're an absolutely useless for me so um i am uh i want to replace it i'm gonna be installing a t-track system on the top of this one which will be cool because I, I have the workbench now so if i really need like that kind of i don't know holding power on the top down i can i can use the uh the workbench for that but then the t-track will give me a ton of options as far as work holding and uh, setting up jigs and that kind of stuff and and hopefully i can get it square enough to where i can actually like create some you know little jigs for like putting together like pocket hold stuff and things like that that really will be helpful so i'm also going to build in like a little air hose reel so my compressor will kind of be down underneath the assembly table and the hose reel will just be kind of tucked down there so i can just pull it out and it'll automatically retract because right now my compressor and air hose are kind of on the floor like i'm always tripping over them so not a good location for those and uh gonna have one of the biggest things i wanted to add was storage for all my sustainers all the festival stuff because those things are kind of a pain if you're not uh if you don't need to move them around and they're just sitting on the ground they are very much in the way and not super accessible all the time so building a drawer system for those and uh debating on whether to do a torsion box top or not i still i've never done one of those and they seem like quite a bit of work and uh but it, it does make for a very flat very strong top so i don't know but uh lots of lots of design considerations on the assembly table but that should be hopefully a relatively fast build and definitely going to be a nice addition to the shop have a lot more storage and uh, just be a lot more organized in that area so yeah um I guess let's go ahead. We're going to do another kind of Q&A episode. So um, this has been uh, it's been good. We really enjoyed the show last week. So I'm going to give that a shot and see how that goes. So um, I guess the first question we have is a really good one from Metal and Grain. And when we're building a project, do we think about design, content, or usability first? So that uh, I think is very interesting. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I do. I, I, I'm, I'm very heavy into the usability. Um, I like to build something functional and then look at it and say, you know, what can I do to make this functional thing look better um, as opposed to making something look good and then try to fit the functionality into it. Um, but that that's very much my style. And so that's um, I'm I like very functional rugged things i like a little bit more of a rustic feel um so yeah <laughs> although i have to say i think that kind of boils down to what is your your personal taste yep yep i mean for me i think it's got to be a combination of all three you know because I, I think there are especially for us as content creators obviously the content side is going to be important so um, one we can't really build the same or very similar thing that we've built in the past because that doesn't you know make particularly good content and also we need to i think keep in mind how we're building it and uh, you know 
trying to make it a little more accessible sometimes. I mean, I know that's, that's always a struggle for me because I, I think there are the easiest way I could do something and then the most accessible way I could do something and trying to find some kind of middle ground there um, just because I'm fortunate enough to have some nice stuff in the shop that makes things a lot easier, but I know not everybody has that. So um, that that's obviously a big factor. And then as far as like structural stability and things like that, that, that always has to be in the forefront as well. So I think, you know, uh, as you get more into woodworking, you realize that, you know, design is not this completely open thing. We have, we have constraints, whether that's the size that lumber comes in generally or wood movement or joinery or, or whatever it is. So that has to be a pretty big factor, too. It's not like you can just come up with any shape and make it out of any material because there are things to consider there. And, and then also, you know, that for us having to put out content regularly, uh, you got to make these things decently simple enough to build so that they don't take you a year to to create so um, I think all of those have to be kind of balanced and I, I think it's tough because you know ease of building and the kind of usability factor I think tends to make things kind of boring design wise so I think it's incorporating elements that while they might slow down the build process they can really make the piece a lot more special so that's a uh, to me, that's always the biggest balancing act, you know, and, and then especially with joinery, not trying to lean too hard on the domino because I know everybody doesn't have one of those and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, then also with the aesthetics, there, there are different methods of, of adding aesthetics uh, because you have the, the very modern, clean style that you have to start with that before you can work on anything else. So you, you make the style you want and then you create its usability. Um, because it's a, it's it's something that's very, well, not constraining, but it it has a, a specific feel. But then, like in in mine, often the the design and um, specialty comes from it with like carving or add-ons, um, things that don't actually change the shape. Um, they just add to the 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 look or the aesthetic of it, as opposed to changing its its build. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I. I Oh, go ahead. I think uh, for me, I mean, it's it's kind of a codependency, but I like to. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> function. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, most of the stuff that I do is commission pieces, and it is functional. It's it's not necessarily art first and foremost. Um, but that's not to say that the two can't kind of have a middle. You know, meet somewhere in the middle. And I think. <clears throat> I like what what I like is a is a challenge to me in in the projects is to try and serve the function but in a new in a new way. I mean, and if you boil down for instance uh you know, say a chair um take away everything that I mean, strip it down to what you need for a functional chair. I mean, depending on the the type of chair, it might just be a place to sit and it might, you know, might also need a backrest or, or whatever, um, the functionality calls for and take everything away. And so you're left with just a seat and a backrest and then try and find a new way to do those two things. Like what, you know, there, there's a few, a few types of chairs that they all kind of do the same thing. Like what's a new way to connect those two pieces or what's a new way to, I mean, maybe it could be suspended from, above or maybe you know just trying to trying to get that creative you know process and trying to figure out a new way to do a very basic function i think it's really easy to get stuck in the mindset of you know usually what happens is you know i, I could see the trap being set is you need to design something and you go to pinterest and you look at 100 pictures of how to design a table or a, a bench or something you're you're already going down that road of finding things to copy and finding things to emulate, which isn't necessarily bad, but I feel like that can get you stuck, uh, design wise. Um, you know, what else something that I like to do is if I'm designing a, a bench, I'll look at pictures of things that aren't benches and try and figure out how I can work that into the design of a bench and, or, or you know, whatever the piece may be, because I feel like you're looking at you're combining things that don't yet exist or that haven't been combined. So I feel like that's for me that's that's a good way to 
come up with, you know, like an original design is just to, to kind of mix things up and, and to go about it in a non-traditional manner. So that's, I mean, it, it sort of depends, but content comes last for me. I feel like if, I feel like if the functionality or primarily since we're, you know, talking about YouTube and stuff, if the design is there, then the content will be there. So that's, that's my approach. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it depends, I guess. I mean, I, I think a lot of the larger scale pieces <clears throat> don't tend to do as well on YouTube just because they don't, <laughs> you know, I mean, look at, you know, a lot of the stuff we build Zach is, is not, <laughs> nobody's going to rebuild that industrial desk or I, I highly doubt that anybody's going to rebuild this dining table I'm building. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's these kind of big monolithic pieces that require a lot of time and a lot of material cost i just think it's a you know it's a less likely thing um so you know the, the pieces i've seen people reproduce the most are the smaller things like i think i've seen more people rebuild that little guitar stand i made than than anything else so um you know i, I think that is uh I, I, it really depends on your strategy for youtube and i think us being you know uh i, I guess client build people as well as youtube people that that's a tough balancing act and i think that's why i've reduced my client build stuff just because i mean it's uh you know not being able to control what the project is definitely has a negative effect potentially on on you know your your channel but then on the flip side you know like that computer desk i built for that dude i would have never chosen to build a computer desk and uh you know, it, it ended up being a really good video for me and I've sold a bunch of plans. So it just really, it's kind of like a wild card thing. And, and I think hard to, uh, you know, hard to decide which way is the best route. But, you know, I think the people who are super, super successful in our field, uh, the content is probably their first, uh, focus. So yeah, it's a, uh, but it, but it is tough. And I mean, again, doing client work, you know, obviously our customer is the one dictating the, uh, the design and that kind of stuff at that point. Well, that's, so. that's what keeps it interesting too, is that everybody has a different approach and a different mindset of everybody, you know, I feel like there's the majority of people, um, that watch YouTube are probably in it for the content. I mean, actually without a doubt, I mean, they, they want to be entertained. They're not necessarily for drawing yes. inspiration first and foremost. That's, you know, Totally. Probably not it. As much as I like to think that people are watching things, trying to learn how to replicate them, that's probably not the case. Um, but no. then there are there are that you know there's that group of people that that's what they want, and you know maybe it's a smaller target audience, but um, you know different different strokes, I guess. Well, and you know I think for me the biggest reason I watch things is is one inspiration as far as design, but then two picking up those little nuggets of of wisdom, you know, because no matter how long you do this, there's always little techniques and tips that you might pick up just by watching somebody else do something. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it, it's difficult because I I do think a lot of us kind of pander to the people who don't have the tools like just worrying that they won't be able to build it themselves or complaining but what is frustrating is i think 99 percent of those times the people who are complaining have no intention to actually build the dang thing anyway so <laughs> it's uh you know they're just complaining for complaining's sake so uh, i i know like both you know modern builds and, and homemade modern obviously really focus on on keeping things you know beginner friendly and, and not super tool intensive and, and using materials that are easy easily accessible um but you know i i, I don't know I, I think a lot of the times the flack we get for that is just from people who want to want to whine about something so um it's uh it's tough so for me i think the most success i've had is just building stuff that i think is very cool and that you know that that when I'm not, when I don't have my kind of, you know, uh, passion or heart behind something I'm building, it, I think it really shows. And those videos very rarely do well. So, you know, if it's just like a throwaway project, it's like a filler, you know, between two other big ones or whatever, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of obvious. So, um, you know, I, I think just do what you will. So, yeah. Um, all right. What do we got next here? So a uh, question from Make Brooklyn. Uh, how does being a content creator affect your timeline and completing projects? 
So he says for him, filming makes it take easily three times longer than it otherwise would. So um, I don't know. I, th- I think the more you do it, the more efficient you get. I think it's really hard to quantify that number. And uh, I think it depends project to project, too, because some projects I'm like really feeling like getting extra fancy with my camera work and other projects. I'm like, I'm going to stick this thing in the corner and I need to get this built. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, highly variable. What about you guys? Uh, I think it well it depends on the the type of video because if I'm doing a video where I am I'm building something and I'm going to show clips of the build throughout the video um but throughout the you know as opposed to capturing most of it then I'm I'm going to be videoing like you know making one of the six tenons whereas I'm not going to video all six of them I might you know shoot a couple different angles on a later one but you know that that adds some time to it, but it's not a huge amount of time in the actual video, the actual building work. I would say it probably adds about fifty percent of time to that. Whereas if I'm actually wanting to teach something, so I'm going to build a small project and I want to video as much of it as possible, then that can often double, triple, or quadruple the amount of time because I need to video every moment of it, and so I'm constantly stopping, changing video angle, or you know, starting, stopping a different camera, moving them around, and that takes a lot of time. Whereas if I'm just shooting more of a documentary, yes, it takes some more time, but not a, not a huge amount. I think the the big thing is once you start jumping into editing then you know your time goes out the window because it's that that's yeah <laughs> you have to find ways to make that this fashion. uh yeah edit edit is by far the, the slowest process um, this kind of this question kind of shoehorns in with uh keith johnson woodworking's question which was uh when yeah. you guys put together a youtube video do you record everything and then do a marathon editing session or do you work in chunks and edit as you finish each phase of the project Um, I find that now, I mean, I started out when I started out, I recorded more and then because the edit sessions took so long and I much prefer being out in the shop than inside in front of my computer, I think I've learned to, uh, record in shorter segments in chunks and, uh, and it's a lot less editing on my part. And I feel like for me, my kind of philosophy behind editing is like, not necessarily to show all of the details and stuff, but to show kind of the, all of the process. And you don't need to see um, 30 minutes of me grinding sped up to six seconds if just, you know, six seconds of standard grinding will convey the same, uh, you know, message. So um, <clears throat> I think pacing is, is kind of where I'm where I'm at right now and trying to figure out, like, well, do I want condensed sped up clips or do i want uh, a little bit of real time clips or, or you know somewhere in the gray area that's that's something i haven't quite developed a philosophy on yet but um yeah I, i've to answer that question i definitely find myself doing less recording and uh you know so that's that's kind of where i'm at right now i guess yeah i mean i think actually making it talked about this recently on one of their shows i, I can't remember which episode but uh, this thing that stuck out to Bob had also stuck out to me. Uh, Jimmy said it months ago, and some some guy he learned from. Uh, basically, the, the idea is get in late and get out early. So you know you don't need to show every part of the process because people will connect these things in their brain. So you know instead of showing every table saw cut sped up to you know two thousand percent speed, show three of them and then you know, people will realize, oh, okay, he cut the rest of these parts out on the table saw as well. Same with same with anything, miter saw, jointer, planer. I mean, especially to me, dimensioning lumber is one of the most boring things to show on camera, and it is basically the way I start every single video. So I'm, like, flying through those at this point because it's like, you know, if you – don't understand the concepts of, of dimensioning lumber, then there are tons of videos to go yeah. figure that out. Even in the hand tool world that where, you know, it looks kind of cool, it's still yeah. the boring project because you're doing the exact same thing on every project. That's why most of the time I, tr- I try and speed through that and I say, you know, if you really want to know that, here's a video on that topic. Yeah. And if anybody complains about tools, it's always about the jointer and planer to me because that is like the tool that people don't have, you know. So uh, I've I've really considered just stopping showing it and saying, hey, 
here's my dimensioned lumber. You could buy it like this at Rockler or your local lumber store. Do that. Now let's start cutting things to length and size. So Yeah, I, I um, <laughs> yeah. forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, okay, I remember. Uh, <laughs> a, few, a few, like a minute ago, we were talking about, um, you know, not showing everything because people kind of can put that together. And I, I kind of think... I haven't really uh, elaborated on it or figured out how to utilize it, but I think that it's almost good to not have everything mapped out so um, obvious. I feel like it's actually more engaging sometimes for people to go when they're watching. Go, oh, wait a minute, what what just happened there? I think that's good, and you know, maybe maybe yeah. they'll have to go back and be like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like, I feel like that's more engaging because it, it, sometimes, I mean. Uh, and, and it's yes. There, there's a few incredibly. There's a lot of incredible makers out there on YouTube, but I find myself drifting off and doing other things as I'm watching their videos. And for me, like I don't want that to happen when people watch my videos because they're so good. Like they're so. But I. But if I can tell exactly what's coming next and what they're going to be doing next, and I get that process, then I'm I'm liable to you know, my attention is going to go somewhere else. So I think that, like I said, I don't know how to utilize that, but I feel like if you can make it a little bit more, um, you know, I, I, I can't think of the word, but uh, a little less obvious then I, I think it can sometimes be more engaging and make for, you know, more engaging content. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it well, and I think it's easy. I think part of what you're probably talking about is, people's videos becoming formulaic and you know we all i think fall into our routine it's like okay we get these couple angles at the table saw and the couple angles at the jointer and you know what i mean because because in all of our shops there's really it's really only so many places the camera can even go and you know it's like oh well i've got that distracting thing in the background over here so i'm not going to show that and you know this half of the shop's a mess so i'm not going to show that so you know you become accustomed to where the camera goes and you start getting those same shots and then you know when like for me i know when i'm typing out my voiceover it's very easy for me to kind of say the things the same way video to video and so you know i think just changing those things up and keeping things fresh and like for me getting that that slider has actually really made me pay attention to the camera again a lot more you know because i i think i found myself just going through the motions getting the footage and while it it conveyed the information well it wasn't particularly exciting you know so i think uh, challenging yourself with whether that's new gear or a different camera or whatever like like to me i think it would be interesting for myself like to film an entire project with just a gopro because i know for a fact it would look entirely different and i'd come up with a lot of interesting angles just because of the form factor and limitations of that camera so um yeah i think we we get into these grooves and you know whether that's a new lens or whatever um i think uh, i think that can make a, a really big difference but to answer keith's original question <laughs> i tend to edit uh kind of almost as I import. I think a lot of times when I fill up my card, it's kind of a good time to take a break anyway. And I've got a couple cards, but honestly, I, I usually take a break when I fill one up, come in, get it importing, and then I might look through some of the other footage and make some rough cuts. And that way, you know, when I get to the end of the project, especially with a long one like this dining table build, you know, I I, I don't know, it's it's one, it would become a lot to edit. And two, if I missed any shots, since this dining table and the two benches are basically the same, uh, the benches are just smaller, I can get that shot that maybe wasn't super I'm clear. I'm curious, so how do you guys around, go about so. your, like, the actual editing, not to get into too much depth, but I usually, like, so I'll just import everything. So I just have this massive, yep. like, blob of clips and then usually I throw them in the timeline and before I do any speed editing or anything, I'll go through them and I'll cut out anything before and anything after that's irrelevant. Yep. And then I'll usually go Definitely. through it a few times and shorten things up and speed them up. I'm not sure if you guys do the same thing, but that's how I end up doing yep. it. Yep. That's, that's basically identical. Cause I mean, once you've sped something up, it's a lot more of a pain yeah. to pick out like, okay, if you're running over to grab a clamp or, you know, you 
somebody came to your doorbell or you know what i mean like whatever it is cutting out those sections that just don't need to be there at all and then uh if i'm gonna speed it up then i basically in final cut you can make it like a, a combination clip like a you can combine like like say i had one six minute long clip of me i don't know doing a glue up and halfway through i left the frame for a minute yeah i cut out that minute of emptiness and then combine those two into one clip again so then when i speed them up and when i go to color grade and stuff there's still final cut still sees them or as one you shot technically flip out so. and kick your glue bot across the shop <laughs> exactly there you go that's uh that hasn't happened in a while luckily i've really been uh better with my glue ups recently i don't know what's changed but i think just being more strategic with uh you know getting my clamps out and making sure everything's ready to go and doing things in in sections you know like really breaking up the glue ups because that like that table the, the dining table had the potential to be a absolute nightmare of a glue up and uh the fact that i've really just kind of did it stage by stage made it not so bad so yeah. yeah i try not to shoot any clip that's longer than like 30 seconds just so that it saves me the editing time yeah uh, but i i do also like to um uh, i like to do all my editing at the end i, I don't like to yeah. pre-edit anything yes yeah, i love the pre-edit test. I, I i like to watch my stuff through a ton of times and you know between the time I get it rough cut and then record the voiceover and the time it becomes a final video, it's, it changes so much in that, in that kind of few hours of editing. It's, uh, it usually goes from this really loose kind of not well paced video to something that's very tight with no, no wasted time. Um, so that's, uh, that, you know, I am super ADHD, like, like actually am and so like i have to be able to watch my own videos easily so <laughs> that's I, my goal I can only stand myself. to watch them like once i think i have it done it's like painful for me to watch it like the second third time because i've seen it like especially since i have music in my cats i get so sick of hearing like the same song and i'll usually get the song stuck in my head for like two three days straight after i'm finished editing it <laughs> i'll wake up in the middle of the night that's funny and, uh, See, I love it, man. I go back and, like, I watch my videos, my own videos on my TV frequently. <laughs> like, I I just enjoy it. I don't know why. And I love showing other, like, when I have guests over and stuff, I love showing them my videos. And it's just, uh, I think I'm very proud of my work. And, you know, it's uh, it's like, man, that was a, that was a cool build. You do know? you guys so, just kind of, uh, it's, on a side topic, do you guys listen to our podcast afterwards? I usually uh, listen to it once. I edit it, so I don't usually listen to it again after that, but yeah. occasionally I do. It's uh, it's kind of fun to hear yourself in the car or whatever. That's weird. Like, it's funny because, uh, like, I don't, I don't, I used to listen to all of them, and then it's just kind of a time issue, and I'm like, well, I've, I've already heard this before, so I'll usually listen to a different podcast, but um, the other day somebody sent a picture of, like, them driving down the car or driving down the road, and they had, like, the screenshot of the Crafted Podcast on, like, their, you know, touch screen in their car. I was like, oh, my God, like, we're legit. Like, this is the real deal. <laughs> yeah, that was I, cool. I don't know why I've never seen yeah, that before. That. It's just like, like, wow, like, it looks like we're we're the real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're a real thing. Not, not that we yeah. weren't at any point, but I, I just saw that, and I was like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is cool for sure. Um, it's yeah. I, I I mean, I know all the stuff I put out. I'm, I'm proud of. So going back and listening to it is always enjoyable. And uh, even like watching videos from you know seven eight months ago, it's amazing how still consistently, like the style and all that stuff has kind of stayed pretty consistent. So that's uh, that's kind of cool. So let's see. Um, so one from Jonathan, I think is how you pronounce that, I guess. Uh, I think it's Spanish for Jonathan. Uh, so what do we do when we find ourselves awake at 5 a.m., unable to sleep, being blasted with tons of great project ideas? So usually for me, it's about 3 a.m., which is unfortunate. If it was 5 a.m., I'd just get up because I get up at 6 anyway. So that's like, that would be no big deal. But 3 a.m. is, it always feels way too early to actually get out of bed. So... Usually I just lay there and if I have some good idea, write it down on my phone or, you know, find some Pinterest inspirations and, 
add it to the project list but uh what about you guys if it's keeping me awake then i get up and work on it i'm like i'll come down to the shop at 2 3 a.m and work on a project until i I start to feel my eyelids drooping again then i'll go back and fall asleep but uh if if it's something that it's just i want to remember something then i roll over punch it into my phone and go back to sleep but yeah if it's keeping me awake then i get up and work on it i feel like it happens to me a lot less now that i have the freedom to do what i want when i want like when i was working a job that's when i would always like be inspired as in the middle of the night and then i'd be having to fight myself to go back to sleep because I had to work the next day. And now it's, I mean, it's my schedule. If I, if I feel inspired in the middle of the night, like there's nothing holding me back from getting up and doing it. Fortunately, now that like time is my own, that doesn't really happen anymore. So, uh, I sleep better and things tend to happen on my own schedule. Uh, as far as writing down ideas, I usually mean to, and I'm like, Oh, I'll write that down in five minutes. And, uh, if it's a really good idea, hopefully I'll remember it. And but uh, probably seventy percent of them never make it to paper. <laughs> so, <laughs> have y'all ever like had something you've either added to your project ideas or like a to do list, and you've woken up the next morning and been like, "What does this mean?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like on my to do list one time, I just wrote stickers. I'm like. What what was that in reference to? Like, what do I need to do with stickers? Yeah. I have no idea. I used so, to keep a yeah, pad of paper uh... beside the bed, but I could never read my handwriting in the middle of the night. And I'd wake up in the morning and just be covered in scribbles. I'm like, what? The... <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm glad it's at least a phone. So then it can't be, like, just random nonsense. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. Cool. Well, I guess uh, let's go ahead and move into what we've been... Or actually, I guess we've got a joke of the week, nice. so let's do that. Uh, a, another one from oh, Jonathan okay. again. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right. I've said it twice now. But uh, So what's a really cheap DIY and consumable you can only buy on Amazon? I don't know, Johnny. Can you tell me? <laughs> Primer. Ba-dum. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start a oh, that video with good. that one. That was pretty good. That was uh, I liked that. I think that's I the. That. Even, so, I think cool. technically that's the best bad joke we've had because it's so bad. <laughs> it might be the best yeah, bad joke bad. of the week. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, that that is a that's a pretty cheesy one. I, I, we we've have, had some pretty pretty bad ones, but uh, yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about what we've been watching or reading or whatever. Uh, James, you want to go first? Yeah, I just got my copy of Mortis and Tenon. And uh, this is like, yeah, if you've never seen Mortis and Tenon, it's called Mortis and Tenon Magazine, but it's really a journal. Have you even opened that um, yet? And it is dedicated to... Have you even opened that? that yet? I have not because I am, I am, I am saving this one until I finish the... Um, until I finish the kitchen, um, it's, it's, like, it's like it's it's my reward for finishing the kitchen. But I've been going That's back hilarious. to some of the old ones, um, and it's it is a really 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 high end journal um, to do with traditional historical um, woodworking um, hand tools, and it is amazingly written. A ton of great info. Um, but the cool thing about it is the way it comes packaged. It actually comes wrapped in crepe paper with a wax stamp and and padded with wood curls. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it's it's like the uh, luxurious spa of hand tool woodworking. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is an awesome. Uh, it it so goes beyond a magazine. You know, it's really a it's, it's a, a life book, basically. Every I've never even whatever read it. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it is. It's, the, the packaging is is insane. It's it's pretty ridiculous. It's uh, the the wood shavings. Wood what shavings kind of wood is, is it though? Like, really, what, is uh, it walnut? So if it's not walnut, they're slacking. It's no. like pine. Well, his favorite is I think like white pine, right? Uh, yeah. That's well, it's pine smells pretty good. I'll give it that. Yeah, and for like hand tool stuff. That was a southern southern yellow or white pine. Yeah, I think he's in what Maine, so it's probably eastern white pine or something like that. From what I remember, that he also did that documentary or whatever uh, video that was really good too. Um, I think it's called Foundations. 
it's a really long it's like something two plus hours i think but quite quite good so it's definitely one, one of these days it'll come with a bunch of like nasty red oak shavings and it'll just smell like cat piss <laughs> <laughs> so you, have you guys ever cut into red oak and it smells just like Dude. it smells like feline feline like bodily <laughs> i've never used red oak in my life i i hate it and i never plan on using it so although it, i do have two giant red oak logs laying in my uh, uh in my side yard I've cut right into now. some smelly oak before man yeah, I mean, oak in general, well, I don't know, usually white oak has a pretty awesome smell when you cut it. It's, uh, it smells pretty tasty. <laughs> nice. Uh, what you got, Zach? Um, what, what's, what's the question? What are we reading? Yeah. What are we, what have we been doing? <laughs> um, uh, so I've been doing some, uh, getting into some leather working and, and, and trying to build my skill set there with like tooling and, this week I've been doing a lot of like hand stitching and saddle stitching and stuff. And, uh, the idea is that, um, well, with the key fobs and stuff on my website, I just have a fun, I have a good time taking a break from big projects and just like doing more crafty stuff. I really enjoy it. I feel like it's my new hobby away from my like work hobby. Not that my, not that building stuff feels like work or anything, but it's just, like after I take a shower and I'm in for the night and if I still feel inspired to do stuff, it's stuff that I can do. Like I can do leather stuff in the house, in the kitchen and be clean. And, uh, it's like relaxing, like, you know, even though it takes forever, like saddle stitching is not a fast thing. Like it takes time and, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice. I mean, cause sometimes even after a long day of work, I'm not ready to just sit on the couch and veg out. Like I still feel like I want to be doing stuff. So I feel like um, I've been having a lot of fun with that. But uh, there's this guy named, uh, if you just type in make supply and leather, maybe in a separate word, he is, has some really good tutorials. And, uh, you know, if you're actually trying to learn how to do stuff, it's not very entertaining, but there's a lot of, lot of valuable information there. So that and just a lot of old uh, Al Stolman leather craft books. So that's that's kind of what I've been digging into this past week well mine this week is uh jer's woodshop and uh i don't actually know where he's from but he has a very interesting accent uh, i think maybe somewhere in the midwest or something but uh he is just really interesting dude um he like over engineers every shop thing you could ever think of so <laughs> i was looking for because as part of this assembly table i want to be able to like store screws much more effectively like right now i just have this giant drawer of just boxes and piles of screws and stuff that are very unorganized and uh he came up with this ridiculous system to create a drawer full of hardware boxes that won't move around if you take one out so if you take one out and close the drawer they won't slide around which is very annoying but like i'm pretty sure just building this one drawer would be like a one day build because of the amount of like crazy like he cut little grooves into the edges of the drawers or the boxes so they're easier to pick up it's just it's crazy so um he he's got a lot of really cool builds he built a belt grinder from scratch recently which was really awesome Uh, he did a very good job on that but definitely a cool channel uh he's he's pretty dang popular so if you haven't seen him definitely recommend checking him out he's good editor too keeps things moving along so cool uh i guess let's close it off with favorite tool of the week zach you got one uh did i oh yeah so where's that thing uh when i was making the knife with uh iron dog knife works um he busted out this it's called the lansky sharpening system and uh, we put an edge on on that knife and it was it uh, worked really well and it's actually really cheap. I think I just ordered the kit after working with his and I think it was like 38 bucks and uh, it's, it's really easy. You have like detents to do, I think 17, 20, 25, 30, uh, maybe 35. I can't remember, but um, yeah, so it's just uh it's a really, really uh, easy way to, to put a nice sharp edge on whatever you're working with. And one of the things that I like, I mean, I normally use stones, but one of the things I like about it is just with the design of it. Um, 
you uh, it'll work on curved blades and stuff, so you don't have to worry about getting your angles perfect. It's so it's nice, simple, easy way to to put a scary sharp edge on a blade. So I always love shaving hair. <laughs> what do you call it, James? Hand tool pattern baldness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a good one. Patch that's missing on your non-dominant arm, just behind the watch. Yep, I've still got mine. Sharpened my chisels <laughs> for the first time, and still I need, there. I need to crack down and buy the same kit that you just bought from uh, James's recommendation because I have a bunch of uh, wet it's stones. It's good, man. It's good. I have I have wet stones, and they work great. But I know that I put off sharpening stuff because I have to like bust everything out and like let it yep. soak yeah. for ten minutes. It's a mess. Put it on the yep. thing, spray it with water, flatten like, it all out. It yeah. just takes forever. It, I spend more time prepping to sharpen stuff than I do sharpening stuff, and it's just yeah. Not... The diamond plates, I think, are where it's at. Although I, I do think I'm gonna get either the Veritas jig or something, just because I'm still not quite there freehanding it i i feel very uncomfortable doing that so i think i need to get that just rhythm down a little bit you know, I have my the veritas. Wheels, so to speak yeah i have the veritas and it's good i mean i i can hand sharpen stuff i just can't get it as sharp as i can with yeah i'm not well especially good. for the the hybrid person who you're not sharpening every yeah, day no. it, it's, it's like once a year you know, if you <laughs> if you're doing all hand tools and you're sharpening every single day you pick it up pretty quickly yeah. but if it's something that you have to relearn every what did time, that then... whole like so what's that what, was there three stones that you have in that yeah three setup? stones they're each the, what coarse fine extra fine i'm sure yeah. they have, they're like 50 bucks a pop right james yeah they're like 50 55 a piece yeah. you got 150 so. bucks it's not terribly cheap, but they should literally last me like the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, for what you use them, and then I got a, a you know, I had an extra little scrap of leather that I'm using for the strop, and then I got the buffing compound too, I guess. So that was like five bucks, and uh, and some Windex. So that's like another five bucks, but <laughs> you know, outside of that, wind, man, what's the Windex for? That's what you wet the, the plates with. The stone lubrication. Really? Windex? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Who would have thought? Because it, it evaporates quickly, so it won't rust the plate. Yeah. And it allow, it removes the, the dross, the, the shavings from the, the plate. Wow. I never would have thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah they, you can do them dry without any lubrication. Um, it's just they, they'll, they'll fill up with the metal you chips just have to a little just faster. Give it the occasional blast with it. I just put one little spritz at the beginning oh, of really? each sharpening, and then. So if it gets dry, though, him. that's not good, right? It should be pretty wet the whole time, or what? What's I mean? Cause no, you can you can use the the DMT stones wet. You can use them dry. Okay. Um, it's just they the, the metal shavings don't go anywhere, and so they basically build up in the diamond strata, so you're not actually sharpening as much. Okay, and so so the, the Windex you... just moves those out of the way as you're running. Gotcha. So one thing I was running into is when I wiped it dry, I was getting like little bits of the towel left behind what do you recommend there yeah especially on the coarse one yeah um using a different towel okay <laughs> i have i have a towel that i have been using for two years and it is jet black right now yeah, but it that. was originally white yeah that's gross um, and when i first <laughs> used it it left a lot of junk on there and just the longer i've used it the the less has been left and now it's it stays. Um, I think if you use like a microfiber or something like that, but then you'd have to dedicate a microfiber cloth to it. Uh, how about uh, an air compressor? Yeah, it's wet and metal shavings. I, I really don't want to blow that everywhere. My shop is like... Yeah. You do what you want to do. That's, uh, I'm certainly not doing that. So Jim Dockrell in the comments just said, don't use Windex with ammonia in it. Is that... Uh, I think the one I bought had ammonia in it, so... There are... Yeah, for the the cheaper plates, that is an issue. Um, for the the DMT solid plates, that's not an issue. Um, yes, if you want to be the purest, you can eliminate that, but it's not a um, because they're not there. There is no edge to the uh, the nickel coating, so there, there's it, it. It won't eat at it. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Cool. Well, uh, my pick of this week is the white side chamfering bit because, man, that thing is a beast. It's uh, it's huge, and I think, I mean, it the, the depth of the chamfer I'm putting on there is insane, and it is so clean and pretty much tear-out free. It's uh, 
I very much, I'm, I'm pretty much only use Whiteside bits. I, I just, I think they make the best bits money can buy personally. So this podcast like brought stuff. to you by Whiteside bits. <laughs> I wish the man. Yeah, dang. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars <laughs> on their stinking bits and they're based like an hour and a half from me. Like I would love to go to their factory. Like they've got a really, really cool, like old school machine shop where they do all this stuff and like machine the stuff out of carbide and, I think that would be a very we should, cool. We should talk to tour. them. All right, James, what's uh, what's your pick? I'm going to be using the dead-on annihilation wrecking bar, annihilator wrecking bar. Here, I'll leave a link to it right here, and uh, it is. I, I've owned it for probably like 15 years, um, if not a little longer, and it is. Um, well, it's. Anytime you're doing demolition and construction, it is phenomenal. Uh, it has a claw on the back that rips through drywall, a spike that rips through drywall. The split head on the top allows you to easily pry out bo- uh, boards against another 2x4. The split in top of the head also allows you to put it on a 2x4 and twist the 2x4. Um, so if you're putting together a wall, it's great for you know pulling the twist out of boards before nailing in the studs. Um, it's just one of the most useful tools for general construction and demolition. Um, and I, I love the thing. And it just it looks frightening. <laughs> it, it looks like a zombie killing device. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um. <laughs> the murder bar. All right, well, I think that'll do it for this show. We ran a little long this week, but that was uh, that was good, good show for sure. I'm I'm really I feel like we could do these dang Q and A episodes every week. It's uh, it's, it's I, I like it's, them because it's, it's fun. It's uh, we get to ad lib a little bit. Yeah, you guys let yeah. us know what you want us to talk about. Yeah, and if yeah, you guys, sure. I mean, I kind of like the idea. I was thinking about it after last week's show of like more like micro uh, topics, like. Like things that ask questions that we can elaborate on for, you know, five, 10 minutes instead of having, you know, a whole 30 minute chunk dedicated to one topic. I just feel like it's uh, probably a little bit more entertaining. So don't if you guys have any questions, please ask them. We, we like that. That helps us out. So for sure. Another thing that helps us out on that <laughs> perfect segue is Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash crafted podcast. Great way to support the show. Uh, the only way to support the show, actually. And, uh, yeah, so show us some love over there. And we are slowly creeping up on that weekend show goal. Really hoping to add that. I'd, I'd love to – I want to start interviewing some more people one-on-one because I think that's a really fun thing to do. All right, cool. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, until next week, happy building. See ya. Take care.